Hello and welcome to the Ken Talks Film Podcast spoiler review for Passengers. No, wait, that's not right. Um, um, oh yeah, Rogue One. So to set the scene up, if you're not already aware of what this film is about and where it's set, um, it's set in the immediate lead up to the original Star Wars film, episode number four, A New Hope, as it was retitled. Uh, Rogue One focuses on the um, Rebel Alliance learning about the existence of the Death Star and a subsequent hunt to steal the plans for it in the hope that they may be able to find its weakness and destroy it. Um, I've seen this movie twice now. I've seen it both in digital and at the IMAX in the 70mm. There is quite a difference in the movie and the style and the tone of it in terms of the look and feel of it in those two different formats. I'll go into that a little bit in detail. Um, but this is my full spoiler review, so I'll be going into some of the details of the plot and the characters, my thoughts and opinions of it, and the alternate ending of the film, which um, is you know on a cutting room floor somewhere. I'm going to delve into some of those scenes and some of those possibilities um, towards the end. So the film opens up with Mads Mikkelsen, who you may have seen from TV shows Hannibal. He was also in Bond Casino Royale, and he's portraying Galen Erso. Um, he is a person who's worked on the Death Star, worked for the Empire, um, but also seems to be on the Rebel Alliance side. And he's trying to protect his family from the Eastern Orson Kenrick, um, who is played by Ben Mendelsohn. For me, Mendelsohn is brilliant in this movie. He delivers a character as you would expect. Um, I think he's a great actor overall. I really loved him in the Netflix series Bloodline. Um, we eats up the screen and, you know, his delivery is fantastic. Um, he is the over-the-top spitting angry fire this is my creation uh type of line delivery in this film that you'd expect um however he doesn't actually progress the story too far forward which was a little disappointing for the character um but overall i thought he played him well and he fits into the empire and that villainous um you know team that we would expect from this type of movie um so for one of the shots in the opening scene and um, we're seeing the, in the Urso family home we see a bottle of blue milk a little bit of a nod to the original there as well um one of the odd scenes near the beginning which i found slightly odd was um the death trooper picking up a stormtrooper doll which we presume is one of the uh, toys of um Jin the little girl and um, it's kind of an odd thing to see um, I don't think we've seen Star Wars toys in the Star Wars universe or so maybe could, could be corrected there but it seemed a little bit odd to me um, and so obviously we follow the young um, Jin Uso the daughter and she's running away um, from uh, Kenrick and the Death Troopers and hides away. Um, we're then introduced to Forrest Whitaker's characters of Saw Gerrera, um, who discovers her um, as part of this um, escape plan, and obviously he takes her and becomes that surrogate father figure to her. Now, Saw Gerrera, I was surprised his character was as little in this movie as um, I thought he would be, based on some of the trailers which we saw beforehand, but I'll go into some of the reasons why that is a little bit later on when we talk about um, alternate endings and different cuts. The movie opens um, directly with a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and then cut straight into the first image there is no opening crawl in this movie um is that an issue for me no i think it was a nice way to start the film slightly differently than the actual episodes it gives it a slightly different feel um and it 
takes it away from being in that sync of, like I say, the episodes, and it's trying to make it more of its own identity. Um, also, the key thing to factor in here is that the first opening scene, in, in relative spec, is a flashback. So we're starting 15 years prior to where the main storyline takes place. So to have an opening crawl with that wouldn't have made much sense because normally an opening crawl would establish the time period, the characters, and what essentially is going on. And I think potentially the downside to not having the opening crawl as the first 20 minutes of the film become a little disjointed because you don't have that setup of the opening crawl. So then we get the title on the screen. Um, there is no Star Wars fanfare. It is purely Rogue One. Um, doesn't even mention Star Wars or a Star Wars story in the actual title or logo on the screen, which I found quite interesting because obviously it's part of all the merchandising material uh, has gone on. But I, think, I suppose they're figuring, well, you know it's Star Wars, you're in the seat. Um, so do we really need to explain it on the screen? But not having it there maybe took away some little bit of that nostalgia that kind of feel that yeah this is a star wars movie you know without having that star wars and the theme at least it maybe maybe for a little bit and there was something missing going into the beginning of the movie. So we jump 15 years ahead from that opening scene and we're introduced to the adult version of Jin Erso, um, who's played by Felicity Jones, um, who I think does a great job in this movie. And it's nice to see another female uh, protagonist character, um, you know, driving the story of this when we've dealt with the Skywalkers um, for so long, who basically their family issues causes problems throughout the galaxy, let's be honest. So now she's an adult with prison, um, clearly troubled um, by the fact that, you know, she has no parents, adoptive father, you know, very Jeremy Kyle stuff. Um, so for, like I said, the first 20 minutes seem a little uneven. Um, it struggles with pace. Um, because we're being introduced to all these new characters, we jump from world to world, um, trying to get a bit of a backstory about where they are and where they are in the Star Wars universe. Now, one one hand, it's nice to see all these different worlds, and it's probably the most worlds that we've experienced in a single Star Wars movie, the fact that we go to do so many different places throughout, but it does feel a little bit like you're being pinged around from point to point, and it feels a little bit disjointed. Um, and it's not until they really get to Jakku that the things start to settle. We then meet Diego Luna's character uh, Cassian Andor and we believe him to be the good guy, part of the rebels, um, who's being told about this weapon that's being created by the Empire. Um, however, you know, he literally shoots a guy in the back within the first two minutes of him being on screen. So you're a little bit like, well, is he a good character? Is he this kind of guy who just takes orders? Um, or is he just out to save himself a little bit? Um, so you're a little bit unsure about the character to start with. It was quite a strange way to introduce him. Um, one of my criticisms about this movie is we actually don't get to learn much about the characters themselves, where they've come from and why they're doing what they're doing. Um, most of the characters introduce themselves either by, hi, my name is, um, or they're introduced by another person saying, oh, this is, um, this is Cassian. He is one of our, um, you know, fighters. He is going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, but that's all we kind of get on the characters. And it is a little bit disappointing, um, especially if you consider the characters um, like Chirut, who plays by Donnie Yen, and Baze, who's played by Wen Zhang. We don't really get to know anything about them other than the Donnie Yen character, Chirut, protecting the Jedi Temple. Um, and that's it. Um, so 
there is some scenes again in some of the earlier trailers which explain why they do what they do but again they're missing from this movie we then have the rescue of Jin, which sets up the main storyline with the rescue or well the rebels would prefer the death of galen urso uh, because he's so integral to the um, empire's plans and we're then introduced to um k2so now <laughs> this is a fantastic character one of my favorites from the movie uh, is voiced by alan tundik um i hope that's pronounced right tundik um and he provides most of the humor in this movie um his one lines are brilliantly delivered and for me personally he's probably my favorite droid of all the star wars movies um you know you could you know don't shoot don't hate um but um you know r2d2 potentially was one before didn't really have any lines it's more about the characters movements um bb8 in a very similar way this is an android who actually interacts with the characters and really delivers some great lines so i really really enjoyed this character okay so this brings us on to and i remember I said spoilers grand moff tarkin now this is a bit of a debatable character in the movie um since it came out now while i was watching it um, for me, first of all, I thought the character was first beautifully introduced. Um, you kind of see the back of the character, and you see that hint of a reflection in the glass. You know who that character is, and it's like, oh, that's really awesome when he's in this movie. But then you have the character turn around, and you get this full image of the character, which I was not expecting in this movie. I had no idea he was in this movie. Um, now, to his credit, the motion capture in this film is very, very good. Um, you know, it can't really be flawed from that point of view. I think there is a difference between the digital version and the IMAX version in 70mm. The 70mm gives it that grain and takes away some of that disbelief of the CGI character. However, as good as CGI is, when you're watching the movie, you know you're watching a CGI character. And it takes you out of the movie a little bit and is a little bit of a distraction because you're so focused on that CGI character. You're almost looking for the flaws. And I can see why they've done it um, in terms of introducing that character because he was very vital in that period of the Star Wars franchise and in those movies in that time period. But I was so surprised how much they use that character through the movie. I thought potentially, okay, there's one scene and done. But, you know, he keeps coming back throughout the movie. And the more you watch the film, the less you get taken out of it um, because, you know, you come to accept that's what it is. It's from a story basis. Um, I'm not going to go into the um discussion of the ethics behind bringing a character um played by an actor who is dead i think that's very touch and go but for me personally i think they did it with um you know great taste and a good homage um to the actor and the character and for me it didn't feel disrespectful um now like i said we expect a lot more of talking this movie than you know we probably should have had um, for me personally, I would have liked to have seen more of Vader in those particular scenes. Vader could have driven those storylines and discussions with Kenrick. However, you know, it is what it is. Um, and like I said, on the second viewing, I wasn't taking it as out as much as the first, but I think that was a lot of help by the 70mm presentation. So things start to settle as we get into Jeddah and the pace evens out for the second act. Um, we see the guys in the bar from episode number four, um, which was quite a nice throwback. Um, however, you know, I couldn't help but feeling when he's uh, bumping into the character, um, you're kind of, dude, you're so going to lose your arm. Um, so it was quite of a nice, uh, nice little um, plug into the original uh, trilogy movies. there, And we, we've kind of got that set up with a couple of major characters, but then we're delivered into the next couple, which is the Donnie Yen character, Shoot. Um, and Baze, played by Wen Zhang. Now, two fabulous characters. Um, I wish we got to see more and find out a little bit more about them. Um, but that 
Donnie Yen scene where he's taking out all the stormtroopers was fantastic. Apparently, Donnie Yen worked on providing new martial arts technique for that. Um, and, you know, it really delivers on screen. It's really, really nice to see. Um, he is a character that links you to the Star Wars force element um, without being a force wielder, um, which is really nice. So he is someone who believes in the force. He protected the Jedi Temple. Um, I am one with the force. The force is with me. I am one with the force. The force is with me. It's, um, you know, really great delivery. I think Donnie Yen is really nice to see him in, you know, this kind of big budget role um, and, you know, deal with the character, which, is um you know that thought-provoking and you know the almost the words of wisdom um potentially throughout um the movie when the group is together um also um the uh, donnie yen's character really delivers in probably the funniest line of the movie um when they're the the, the team is captured uh by Saul Guerrero's team and they put the hoods on everybody obviously it goes on to his head as well and he's like are you kidding me i'm blind um that probably got the most laughs of the, um of the whole entire movie that um one particular line from him absolutely brilliant we then meet the pilot um brody rook um who's played by, uh, by riz ahmed um we know probably least about this character um of all the other ones um he's defected from the empire um to bring sorgarera the message from galen urso but we don't really know why he's doing it why he's had this change of heart unlike where we had sort of like finn in um star wars episode seven you kind of get a real understanding of why he's deflated away why he can no longer be a stormtrooper this guy is just like oh you know so told me i could be better and that was kind of it so it's really disappointing um from that character development like i said some of the other characters really suffer from that in this movie i understand these are all new characters we don't have any history on them at all so to build a backstory to all of them would have made it quite tricky but there's a scene in this movie that seems so out of place that they introduce this character um who's a mind reading tentacle monster and he molests Brody um to find out what he's thinking because Saul Guerrero wants to know if he's lying or not and that seems to me like an excellent opportunity for when he goes to his head and mind reading him to get a bit of a backstory to him you could have had some flashes of images some things he's done things he's seen but we didn't get any of that and it was such a weird scene to have in the movie and it did, felt really out of place for me and um didn't really lead anything to the story because Sora still kind of didn't believe him even though he's read his mind so very strange scene we then get the destruction of Jeddah and the escape um and for me this was very well done um the death star what we've seen previously is this huge destructive um uh planet or moon size um, object which can destroy planets and you kind of get detached a little bit because you just see this huge explosion of this planet this destruction was so small and large on the scale at the same time that you really felt the power of the death star here you know I th the cgi here was fantastic the way the city comes up in the middle like you know an atom bomb and it just starts expanding further and further out the rubble turning over i thought this was so well done and one of my favorite um, parts of the opening two acts um and this brings us pretty much where the band of um, rebels or the rogue one team come together so we get all our characters at this point and um, the movie you know like i say is decent second act um, first one's a little bit ropey but it's all about the third act and it's more in the second act where for me the best thing about this film is really revealed and introduced so one of the story things about star wars that people who are star wars fans and non-star wars fans um, pick up on is the destruction of the death star you know why would the empire build this machine that was capable of ruling the galaxy and destroying planets 
with such an obvious and easy get out clause for the opposition. Reason being is it's perfectly described in this film. Um, Galen Erso is um, part of the M uh, Empire um, team. He then doesn't believe in what he's doing anymore and flees. And obviously that opening scene is where Kendrick is trying to bring him back because they feel they need his help because the introduction and the production of the Death Star stalled. And he's forced to do it um, because he knows otherwise they'll find his daughter. But he's also forced to do it because when he gets there, he realizes that actually they don't really need me to complete this Death Star. They're going to do this with or without me. So he makes himself feel that he's indispensable so they have to keep him around. He's integral to the part, which then allows him to implement his plan and a trap, which is to make a vulnerability in the Death Star. Um, and this is where he leaves a message uh, for Jin to try and help go get the plans, get them to the rebels so they know how to defeat the Death Star. Now, for me, this is great story writing into the bigger, wider world, and it really brings in the as much as this is an anthology film and a spin-off, it really brings it home into the original trilogy, especially directly into New Hope. And it literally lays the groundwork for the, all the Star Wars movies that follow it um, because they're all based around their Death Star. Um, so the fact that, you know, this is such an integral story to the wider story arc of the saga, this was the best feature and thing for me from the movie. So we've spoken about him um, a little bit. Um, now it's get to the point to let's talk vader um it was wonderful to see the character on screen again uh the introduction for me for the character in the movie we've um you first see him obviously in the tank and you get to see that almost vulnerability you realize his age and stature of where he is in this time period the fact that he's missing those arms you know from episode number three and then you get this beautifully um shot scene where kenrick is in the sort of like this big room waiting for him and the doors open up, you get this huge shadow of him and the helmet basically looming over Kendrick's, you know, shows the imposing power, and he walks out um, to his theme tune, and ah, oh, it was so great to see. Um, choose the screen up with um, Kendrick there for a little bit, but then he delivers the Vader line of the movie, where it's, don't choke on your aspirations, director. Um, absolutely brilliant. Um, it's such a Vader line. Kind of gives you chills, you know, the way he's force choking him. Absolutely brilliant. Like I said, we wish we got more of Vader in the movie. Um, he does have a scene at the end, which I'll touch on a little bit further. But can you imagine Vader on the beach in that battle with the uh, rebels at the end of the movie? That would have been something to see. So Jin cannot convince the Alliance to go with her um, or for her to lead the team into Scarif to find the Death Star plans, which the her father has laid there and so therefore she gets together a band of rebels a rebels within the rebels if you will um now this leads us into the excellent third and um, best act of the movie um the rogue one team as they are now called um start making great progress in scarif and obviously this gets fed back to the alliance team and they're all like oh well geez you know if they're doing so well maybe we should show up and help um yeah that would have helped to start with um but from a story perspective Obviously, we can't have that. We need the heroes team to be small and compact and the underdogs. And, we you know, they are up against the might of the Empire. If you had the whole Alliance team rock up right at the beginning of the battle, it would have seemed really uneven. Oh, OK, it's just face off. So obviously, from a story point of view, um, the way they have to turn against her to come back to aid her. It's very cliche, but it's hey, it's Star Wars. 
Now, what's really nice to see in um, the third act in the space battle, some of the original and stock footage from episode number four of the fighter pilots, next wing pilots. Uh, they merged this in quite well, so you get some of those same characters from A New Hope. I thought this was a really nice touch, and again, some really nice links. Um, I think potentially the only thing that was here which would have been really nice is to get more Porkins. Can you imagine seeing him on the screen and getting some more screen time with him? Maybe it's a little bit too obvious and on the knowns, uh, knows and maybe too much of a fan service, but it's something I would have really liked to have seen. Now, for me, going into this movie, um, obviously I was aware of the story, and um, unfortunately, Rogue One already has a sequel in episode number four. But what I wasn't expecting was how the characters would eventually reside in the universe, which is they all die. Um, I was really surprised by this. Uh, the first one that went was uh, K2. I was kind of bummed out. You know, he sacrificed himself, but you could understand why. And, you know, again, it was an android, but you're thinking, oh, well, you know, if they, they collect the body, they'll be able to take his programming. And, you know, we've seen um, C-3PO being dismantled before and, you know, it'll be fine. It's not until we get to the Donnie Yen character. Um, I'm one with the force, the force is with me. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. Um, and Baze, when those two characters are killed off, you start thinking, damn, people aren't leaving this people are getting out of here this the, you know pe you say people gonna die it happens right so that is when you start to get a realization of everything that's happening now what happens then is obviously the plans get sent up to so especially they receive they the death star sends down the laser and blows up um scarif and all the characters are taken away in a blaze and in some ways, it was an unsatisfying ending to those characters, but because we didn't know too much of their history, you didn't feel that you cared that much. So, you know, that all happens. You're like, oh, you know, the bad guys, you know, they've sacrificed themselves, and, you know, I understand that it's for the greater good, and, you know, you know, good for them. Then you have that very special moment at the end of the film, pitch black, Sabre comes on, they're breathing, Vader has his moment. And you've gone from wanting the rebels to win and get the plans that succeed to wanting Vader to kill the rebel scum. It was incredible uh, the way you shift your alliance in the movie for this character that you love. Who's the bad guy ripping into people, um, force throwing them up in the air, taking them out with a lightsaber, plunging one through a person and through the door. Epic moment in that movie absolutely delivered you just wanted more you really wanted more coming away from that it's like i've just had oh you just kind of got me right on the edge and you now you snapped it away from me um i'm really hoping that the reason we haven't seen more vader in this movie is they're going to be saving him for a spin-off i believe within the timeline and the anthology movies they're doing they definitely have scope for this i really feel there's an opportunity between episode five and episode six where you have a big time gap um that they could do a spin-off during that period luke is going off to learn and, and finish off his um force and jedi training you could have a spin-off with darth vader searching uh, the galaxy for luke trying to find him taking out all these rebel and alliance people you know one by one or in groups or in huge battles there's a real opportunity there because again he's still at the peak of his powers at this point so i'm really hoping that we didn't see as much vader in here because we're going to get a lot more of him and it was more of a tease for that anticipation of something else coming 
So overall, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought director Gareth Edwards, um, you know, did a really good job on this. Um, he, I mean, it does look beautiful, especially in that 70 mil in the IMAX um, production. Um, you know, the his work is a lot more ground in this. It really brings the war in Star Wars in terms of that ground battle, which we haven't had too much before. It's mainly been up in space. We had a little bit on Hoth and stuff like that. Um, I thought his camera work was fantastic. Um, very much in tone with the originals. You know, JJ obviously has his own style, especially in those spaceship battles. You have sort of like the wide panning shot zooming in slightly. Didn't get any of that in this movie, and I kind of liked it better for that. Um, he takes us through several um, brilliant locations and new worlds that we haven't been to before. Scarif, again, you know, this outstanding final third act um, with the stormtroopers versus rebel action pieces, um, death troopers, stuff like that. You know, really, really well done. I think overall, the CGI in this movie was spot on. Um, I think, again, this, the destruction of uh, Jeddah and the ship's fighting scenes, the space battle were fantastic. I think in the digital um, production, one of the scenes that took me out of it a little bit was when you get the reveal of the um, one of the ships, um, and then you get the reveal of the Death Stars is being finished in production with the big satellite part going in. Um, it almost looked too fake. It was very model-like. Um, but again, when you're watching it in that 70mm version, that grain and edge just takes it away and you really get that feel for the original um, um, prosthetic. So like I say, the aesthetics of this movie are fantastic as well. You know, lots of um, handmade stuff, puppets, real props. You know, I think it really delivered in terms of the sense and the feel of the original trilogy, which obviously this is set before. Now, if you didn't know, the score for this movie was actually only recorded in just over four weeks. Um, it was done by um, the composer uh, Michael Giaccio. And he replaced Alexandre Desplat, who basically, what we were told, is was removed from the project basically due to some reshoot conflicts. And he couldn't therefore do the music and the score based on all these reshoots that were done. Now, Giacho has done some great work. He's recently done Doctor Strange. He's done Star Trek, Planet of the Apes, Jurassic World. He's already signed on to do um, Jurassic World 2. He's doing Spider-Man Homecoming. And he's also doing um, Pixar's Incredibles 2. So he's really, really big in the industry. Some big shoes to fill with John Williams. John Williams has done all the previous installments of the Star Wars, including episode number seven. And you know what? He didn't, it wasn't a bad effort. I feel that he hit most of the right tones and notes, um, pun intended, for the movie, but it didn't have a memorable theme. Most movies you've come out of, you know, you've obviously got the Star Wars theme, you've got the Vader theme, you've got the uh, themes from episode one, George Fates and stuff like that. Um, you've even got the Ray theme from episode number seven, and most of those you can come out humming something. You don't come out of this movie thinking, Mm, what was that tune what was that sound you appreciate it at the time because it's just nice and it fits there's some nice subtle tones of the original um soundtrack the only time you actually get to hear the main star wars theme is during part of the credits so for me that was a little bit disappointing i would have liked to have heard it in some part of the movie where it's a climatic battle or even you know right at the beginning of those end credits but um yeah, so it was good, but not memorable. So now I'm going to discuss um, the alternative ending and alternative version of Rogue One. Now, I discussed on some previous podcasts um, with my friends about the reshoots that were taking on this play, uh, taking place on this movie. And all movies these days have reshoots. Every single feature film will go through some reshoots at some point, pick up some scenes, redo some dialogue, whatever it may be. However, I believe this movie has gone through extensive reshoots that I wasn't expecting. 
Um, the reason why you can see most of this is you can see the story has changed a lot as well. I'm going to start off with the very first teaser trailer that we got back in April. Now, we see a very different um, Genesso in this trailer. She seems to, her character seems to have gone through a process of where they've kind of changed. In the original one, she seems that very generic, reluctant hero, a bit snarky, a little bit like Han Solo, you know, I don't really want to be here. And, you know, she's forced to wear handcuffs when talking to Mon Mothma on Yavin 4, which is a nice throwback as well, by the way, because um, most of her scenes were cut out of episode 3 of Avengers of the Sith, but they brought the same actress back who hasn't aged a day and managed to deliver those scenes. And she comes across as um, really disinterested in the anti-imperial cause. Um, you have the, the voiceover in the original teaser trailer where uh, Mon Mothma actually says, um, from the age of 15, um, on your own from the age of 15, reckless, aggressive, undisciplined. And Jin's cut line from the movie is, this is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. Now, I'm kind of glad they took that line out of the movie because it is kind of cheesy, but that wasn't in the final cut of the film at all, any of those lines. It seems that she was a lot more sympathetic and a lot more like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll help in the actual movie as opposed to being this very dismissive and I don't really want to be here. Um, we also had the adoptive father of her, Saw Gerrera, mainly as a voiceover um, in the teaser trailer. But it cuts to him with younger with a shaved head. Now, most of this movie, you'll see him with the grey hair. Um, but he has a shaved head at the start of the film when he's rescuing the young Jin. There's a voiceover in the original teaser trailer from Guerrero where he's like, what would they do when they catch you? What would they do when you break you? If you continue to fight, what will you become? And it cuts to him in that younger version. Now, that isn't in the movie at all. So for me, there seems to be a scene missing where Guerrero is talking to potentially a young Jin before she goes off. You know, maybe she was in her mid-teens or maybe, you know, there's something missing there. Um, or whether when they've reshot, they've added the hair to him later. It's very, very strange. And I think Saul Guerrero, there's a lot more of him on the cutting room floor than there is in this movie. Very, very strange indeed. Um, you also see the running on the beach um, towards the end of that trailer and heading towards the ATACT walker. And the walker shooting down like into the camera frame shot. I can't believe that was done specifically for the trailer. Again, that shot is not in the movie. And for me, that was a really impressive shot. So that was really disappointing. Then we move on to the second trailer. And again, it starts with a Saw Gerrera speech. Again, this is changed from the film. And those lines that are starting that trailer are not in it. It's very, very strange. We also have General Dravin um, and Yaron Four in the base when they're first talking to Jin. And he says, can you be trusted without your shackles? Again, this isn't part of the movie. So again, it's a very different Jin. You know, she was very much seemed like almost like a threat and they were scared of her in the first trailers with this one they seem to be a lot more overpowering of her and she's a lot more submissive um, in terms of them how she can help them we then see a shot of uh, Jin in the cockpit with uh, Cassian and um, where they're exchanging good good not in the film um, KSO approaches Jin in on screen in Jakub after they seem to have that initial first um, confrontation with the stormtroopers where he does come in there's a great line where he's like, did you know it wasn't me you were shooting? And he says, the captain says you are a friend. I will not kill you. That line isn't in the movie either. 
you know, so again, so much footage missing. Um, there's another scene in the trailer where K2 is uh, K2's on the ship and he says, there is a 97.6% chance of failure. And Cassian replies, he means well to the crew there. Again, missing from the movie. Um, we have a completely different ending to this movie. That is where most of the reshoots uh, must have taken place. In that second trailer, we have the scene where Jin is up on the tower and she's realigned. She has to realign the satellite to send the Death Star plans out. Now, as she's going across that bridge, there's this huge TIE fighter that comes up to face her as she's come walking down holding her pistol. That is completely removed from the movie. That isn't in there at all. And I don't understand why. You know, could it have been Vader in that TIE fighter? Could it, you know why was that taken out why was the ending so drastically changed you know could have there been a confrontation on the bridge where the satellite actually gets destroyed and actually Jin and Kessin they actually end up escaping via a ship there's plenty of ships on that planet they could have gotten out so again it was very very strange and I think there's a big difference the other thing that you can we have to take away from it again with the reshoots is the celebration sizzle reel now the Star Wars celebration sizzle reel Jin and the crew spend far more time on the beach, um, as what the first trailer suggests. We see her running on the beach with Cassian and the plans of the Death Star in her hand. Now, this never happens in the final cut of the movie. There's quite a bit of a slow-mo where she's running down, plans Cassian behind her, explosions going around, soldiers. And that also leads to a shot of her and Cassian running through the beach water um, with the, um, with the uh, Alliance um, rebels as well. Again, this isn't in the movie. Um completely different they she never actually gets onto the beach they go straight into um the scarif buildings to get the plans and they reach to the top it's only at the end where they end up on the beach before they get taken out by the laser so again a very very different battle i think there's a lot more battle scenes that we didn't get in this movie um we also get the shots at the end um where Jin is in the ship and she says um may the force be with us that line is in the movie but it's a completely different location it's in a ship um, as they're leaving Yarin 4 but this seems to be in a different ship she's standing differently and it seems like potentially they've just got onto the beach and they're about to go out and start fighting or maybe that was the beginning of their escape um, so again lots of lots of stuff missing now will we ever get to see this different cut um, all these different scenes um, we'll wait to have to see to see if they arrive on the blu-ray but I feel there's a bigger movie out there and a different kind of movie and it'd be interesting to see whether this is Gareth Edwards' decision to do it or whether it was just Disney and exec stepping in um, and they had to get, they brought in somebody else who's just Tony Gilroy in to do a lot of that work. So, you know, Gareth Edwards hasn't, you know, kicked up a fuss about it. He hasn't really spoken and come out and said, you know, oh, this isn't my movie. I like something like with Fantastic Four and the way that production and the director went. But it does, you know, tend to believe, you know, is Disney maybe interfering too much in the story in the film? Um, or was this a collective decision they decided you know this wasn't the way to go with the movie and so therefore we got the ending that we got so star wars rogue one for me a good movie a solid movie a welcome addition to the franchise really delivers on some of those storyline aspects which were missing plug some of those holes couple of great characters but not a great movie i think there's some missed opportunities i would have liked to have seen more vader 
Um, I would like to see more depth in the characters. And for me, that was the one thing that was really lacking in this movie, wanting to care for these characters. You know, whether we'll get a Donnie Yen spin-off movie, which would be amazing. Um, you know, there are possibilities for that. For me, as an 8 out of 10, like I said, potentially watching it on that 70mm projection of the IMAX, you know, maybe drove it up to an 8.5 because of the look and feel with it. It's very different from the digital. You know, you're even getting those specks of dirt on the screen, which are filtered out through the filters every now and then. You know, it really was a nice throwback. Um, but, you know, if this is the way that the anthology films are going to go, I think, you know, we can feel a little bit relieved we're in safe hands. The next one is going to be Young Hound Solo, and we're going to have young um, Lando Calrissian and stuff in that as well. So it's going to be set in a completely different time period. So again, all new characters, but with some of those of familiarity. Well, I doubt we're going to have the crawl again. We're going to know these characters and going to be introducing some others around it. So we'll wait to see what kind of cameos and special appearances we get with that. Um, thanks very much for watching. I hope you enjoyed the spoiler review and talking about some of those um, aspects of the cut film and the alternative version. Um, you can find me, as always, on Twitter at KenTalksFilm or on Facebook, Facebook slash KenTalksFilm. Information is on your screen below. Please, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel. Make sure you like the video as YouTube are really taking note of those likes now. And um, please tune in for the next episode of Ken Talks Film for the regular podcast. Thanks for watching.